You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Screener Squad. Today, I am with Ben, Bradley, and Trevor. My name is Chad, and I would argue that most of us are cinephiles, right? I, I've known a few of you. I've recorded with a few of you. I would, I would self-describe that way, yeah. I feel that's, you know, being properly generous with us, yes. What constitutes a cinephile? Well, I'll often talk about the works of uh, Tartofsky without um, having seen them. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bradley, we're talking about you, not Marco. <laughs> well, hey, today we are talking about an uh, animated movie out of Japan called pompo the cinephile for me i don't get to watch too much anime anymore what a weird fucking movie right (laughs) i i thought it was pretty cool for not watching something in such a long time like this i had a good time with it and it's based off a manga that's only a couple years old so it's fairly popular but pompo the cinephile basically if you want to know what making a movie feels like on a huge scale like a big hollywood budget this is the movie to watch especially i don't know if any of you edit out there like that's my main bread and butter occupation is video editing and the way editing is visualized in this movie was so fucking cool Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I don't think my brain ever was that visual with how I see myself editing, but it certainly feels that way. Hell yeah, it does. Like when you're in the zone and you've shut everything else out and you're just in there creating like they they were able to capture that really well. They there's a point where, you know, they go through the whole production cycle and finally our one of our main characters, Gene he gets to the editing station you know like hey the movie's done and everybody's celebrating it's like it ain't done and it's going into editing which is obviously the most important part of this whole thing because you can shoot for days but if you don't have a good editor that knows what they're doing your movie's gonna suck yeah you can tell a completely different story in editing if you really want to and it's basically how the narrative actually gets made script gives you Hey, here's everything that you could need for a story. Editing is, and here's how you tell that story. So was anybody here like a super big anime fan going into this? I'm not. I'm just curious. Not really. I like some anime movies, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like the big adoring anime guy. Yeah, I can't go toe to toe with anybody. Like I grew up on Cowboy Bebop and Dragon Ball Z and that's my jam. I still watch anime. Me and the kids are watching Kenitsu no Yaiba, which is Demon Slayer for all of you laymans. And uh, <laughs> Ranking of Kings is also one of our favorites. With Crunchyroll and Funimation joining forces under Sony, it's the best time ever to be an anime fan. So I was happy to watch this because of the gorgeous artwork, because, you know, I recognize the director this even of this wonderful anime. I uh, haven't heard of the manga, so I'll probably look into it after this review. 
I honestly might because this is cool. Like the basic story is like this guy, Gene, is just the production assistant of like the biggest producer in this area of the world, I guess. Yollywood. Yollywood. Yeah. Which it's a yeah for a a cat. Yeah. Yeah, The noise. noise. It's the onomatopoetic noise a cat makes in Japanese. I got the I got the pun immediately and I was so happy. Like, oh, it's well, you notice everything like the walk of fame and everything is all cat based the, cat their heads. oscars are like have heck have cat heads uh, but yeah so gene works for pompo or joel davidovich pompanet because somebody just had fun with that name uh who is like a child prodigy primarily making b movies and has always adored movies and pompo's like hey you're really smart uh i wrote this script for the perfect movie you go ahead and make it with the greatest actor of all time martin braddock and this new woman uh natalie woodward and just, just go ahead and make this movie. We're going to fly you to Sweden. Don't worry about it. It's like, or the Swiss Alps. And it's like, okay, sure. And it's the story of basically living your dreams of making a movie. Uh, I would disagree with Chad earlier saying it's making a movie on a large scale because I no movie production I've ever been on on any scale was this consistently successful. Uh, well, <laughs> ever. it looked like they had a budget. And, you know, like, uh, sure, I'm just saying, I mean, they went on site into, into the Swiss Alps. Of course, they had a budget. I mean, <laughs> dear God. Yes. Yeah, and the reason I, I ask is I, I am not a deep lore anime fan. And I honestly signed up for this review just based on the name of the movie. I'm like, oh, that sounds like something pretentious and up my alley. <laughs> and so watching this, I'm like, what the hell is going on? What am I watching? Is this a convention in anime? Am I missing something? But at the same time, I was having a real good time. And by the time this movie got up to speed, I was really not in my head along with it. What we have failed to mention is that the the title character, much like Beetlejuice, who is not who is the title character, but not the protagonist, is this giant producer in Yollywood, but is uh, for all intents and purposes, a like nine year old girl. (laughs) She did seem like a child, but I think she was supposed to be an adult because she would have flashbacks and talk about being a child watching movies with her famous grandfather, but the grandfather didn't look that much younger in those flashbacks. I think she's like 18 or 16 or something. I, I think in, in Japanese art style, and this is me just digging into my old anime brain, there's an art style in anime called chibi, which basically just means small. So sometimes mm-hmm. they yeah. just make characters smaller. They're not necessarily kids. They're just small. Right. She had the attitude of a very explosive, energetic, amazing, I'd say college age person ready to take on the world. So I assume she was an adult. It never said it. It does say constantly the prodigy Pumpo, you know, but I I think adult age, it's hard to say with these type of. Well, and it never comes choices. up. It's never like, oh, you know, we've we've cast the movie. Now I'm running off to nap time and, and Biddy with mommy. It's like, right. You know, she's she's out there <laughs> taking care of business. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, what the hell is what's going on? I had no idea, but I, I was out of my depth, but I had a good time. So I'm I'm not mad or nothing. I do like how she always announces herself with like joyous vigor when she enters a room. There's, there's that great <laughs> bit with the receptionist delivering a message from Papa. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, I also was like, look, I've been in offices with people with big personalities. Everyone does have an impression of that person. So that was kind of perfect for me. <laughs> The whole point of this movie, at least for me, was 
hey, let's show people what making a movie is like, obviously in an entertaining and funny way. But, you know, you're stressed out director, editor, you know, he constantly had bags over his eyes. Even when he was a PA, he looked like he was dead. Yeah, so he was a PA. <laughs> yeah, he was a PA, but he was – and Popo noticed his, uh, you know, his notes, and he was always writing stuff down and learning new things and what you're supposed to do when you're on a film set as a PA. Like, nobody is a PA forever unless you suck. Like, the whole point of being a PA okay. is to do the bitch work, but also figure out, like – Hey, oh man, camera department looks cool. Or no, I want to build sets or hair and makeup is my jam. I mean, it's not realistic that you go from a PA to a director, but it does show a nice arc on what the process should be if you put in the work, if you know the right people. And th- and that's a cool thing too. It's He didn't just do this by himself. They really nail the point home that this is a group effort and it's not just the cast and crew. It's not you know, the fans, it's not just the people financing the movie, you know, it's, it's all of them. So I I really enjoyed the overall message that great art can happen if everybody works together for a common goal. And even up to him finding his voice within that collaboration and finding out what is my vision, what is my voice, what is the input I'll listen to versus the input I get rid of. I mean, that's a whole arc here. I think probably the most whimsical part of this is just uh, as a production assistant, somebody says, hey, kid, follow your dreams. Here's a couple million dollars for a movie. Like other than that, I, I'm with you. I think this was kind of a good little fun examination of the creative process. I was gonna say, it helps that he's the direct assistant to the head producer of the studio. I mean, he's not just a PA. He is also. That, that's direct, true. That's true. He has the ear of the producer and the producers always trusted his you know opinion on things like, yeah, he didn't jump that many rungs just by being a PA. It's a little bit more believable than that. And also, I mean, the most unbelievable thing in this movie in the best way is that like everybody is just good people. Like even at the worst, Martin Braddock is completely a wannabe playboy, but he's like, he's still not a tool. And he's like, no, you're the director. Like you say this, I do this. I just want to have input. And if you don't like my input, then we move on. It's like, well, it doesn't happen that often the big star, but that, that, that was incredibly mature of an acting legend as he's called. And what'd you guys think of his kind of creeper vibe? Was that calling out anybody? How he'd be like, hey, pretty lady, you on social media? <laughs> I like that that's his gimmick is, do you have social media? <laughs> I, I, I more saw it as, it, well, I mean, obviously an old man's going to flirt with younger girls, but like more saw it as an old man trying to stay current, you know? Oh, and that's yeah, how yeah. I read it too. It's like he's, he's looking yeah. to boost his follow count. Yeah. Now that he's on the verge of this big comeback. I feel like the best ancillary character that I actually could have constantly used more was Mystia. It's like, oh, yeah, you're basically like Playboy bunny level of like hot, you know, B-movie, you know, damsel in distress woman. And it's like, oh, but you're also like really chill, totally like love your work and just want to just like support other talent. I'm like, that's cool. That's like it's just a fun character to like include in that because it's, you know, that's the thing is like this movie starts with B-movies. It's like, hey, but. Also, just because I make B movies doesn't mean I don't love really good cinema and really want to make a good movie. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I know people that make all kinds of movies or want to make all kinds of movies, and that's really awesome to see here. Yeah, the director that she always works with, 
his overjoy at reading scripts about giant monsters and ridiculous scenarios where people are running for their lives and someone with a machine gun shows up and is like, I don't think so. Like, he's like, Oh, Sugoi! you know, like loving that kind of cinema. Like that's really charming. So many people right now are getting shit on for not trying to be an auteur or whatever the hell the social media argument is these days. So that was really fun to see. And for an anime with so many like huge names behind it, pushing that kind of narrative, like love what you love and especially love doing what you love or you're going to be miserable. I was going to say, Papo, yeah, Papo writes basically like the Oscar winning movie of the year and is like, and I can't make it to the Oscars because I'm shooting a giant anteater movie. It's like, yeah, really, yeah. that's <laughs> that's what I want to be. Because <laughs> she loves to work. It's so freaking charming like she could care less about the awards but didn't belittle anyone who did go you know there wasn't like a side eye like oh you guys are going to an award show blah so wrapping up kind of what we were talking about before we hit record does that make pompo a cinephile no pompo is brilliant about films and understands how to produce a fantastic movie and put together an amazing cast and crew and all of that and the perfect moving parts. But that doesn't make you necessarily a cinephile. It makes you an expert in your field of production and film creation. It makes you passionate about making movies and film production. But couldn't you make the argument that only a cinephile could write a script that would win the ultimate award in Nyaliwood? The Nyaskar? The Oscar. I mean, she even said when she finished, there it is. There's my Oscar script. I want you to direct it. And he's like, you want me to direct an Oscar winner? And she's like, yeah, the, the script, it's an ace in the hole. Just yeah, put it together. I trust you. Yeah, more than 90 minutes long. I mean, come on. <laughs> she shot on Cinema Paradiso. It's funny. There was a SNL skit a couple weeks ago with Pete Davidson, and it was a rap about keeping movies under 90 minutes otherwise he doesn't want to watch them like i mean that is not i wouldn't say a common complaint but well yeah if you can achieve something brilliant in 90 minutes then yes you're incredible filmmaker but let's also be fair her script was longer than a 90 minute script yeah that was a thick script Mm -hmm. yeah she said that he they were cutting down like 72 hours of footage was that i think he said 250 pages and about a page a minute is the average for a script so yeah if, if you're an efficient editor, like it used to be like that way back in the day when it was the owner of the production company, he's doing cutting and uh, splicing. And like I learned that shit in college. It's freaking boring, but it's it's a good skill to have. Uh, but like basically, you know, the the whole clapper thing and syncing up your footage. Once you get that in, you should get a set of notes that either the script he had or the A.D. had marking down which takes are good so if you're a smart editor yeah you you kind of take all your stuff and put it on a timeline but then you know hey i can immediately get rid of 50 percent of this because they were marked as no good like don't delete them just in case but i know i don't have to work with that now i'm just going to work with the stuff that was marked good but there's still that um that's cool. like also like scenes like that dressing room scene when you see him editing that there's four different angles there or five and that's even if there's only like three good takes from each camera there that's you know, three times five for maybe a five minute scene that starts adding up for every scene he has. TC, uh, who's on one of us, uh, directs a lot of the stuff that I edit and he definitely knows how to direct for me and kind of knows when I'm going to cut on emotion or cut on action. 
but we don't always see eye to eye. And that's the thing too. Like, you know, what I could see as being the perfect cut, I'm going to give to my producer and to TC and they're going to be like, yeah, it's good, but tweak this and tweak that. So again, it goes back to, this is a collaborative process. And even in the editing bay, like you do have a lot of control, but ultimately it's up to a specific core group to give that final edit, you know? And bringing that around to the subject at hand, I think the editing in this movie was something to behold. There's lots of neat, interesting transitions. Uh, flashbacks are happening on a screen while the guy is sitting in a movie theater. Uh, you know, things like that, that multi-plane, multi-panel kind of uh, transitions that just made this really interesting watch, kept the pace alive and uh, made this really interesting. And, and of course, it's about an editor. So you know that there was some love in that department. You know, I kind of came into this uh, super blind. I was not attacking this as an anime fan. And I think maybe uh, there was a handicap there as I was trying to get over. Whoa, what is this little girl in a sailor suit doing as an, in an adult role? Oh, I'm in a humana. But, you know, this was a fun watch. I don't know that uh, this is necessarily going to make anime lovers out of cinephiles. Um, but it may make some cinephiles out of anime lovers. And I say that knowing that that's. Uh, a false dichotomy like you can be both but uh, i think this is definitely a a film lover story told through an anime medium for anime fans and uh, it worked for me on that level i'm gonna give this uh we're gonna call it seven out of ten sailor outfits yeah i came into this with some more knowledge like i checked out a trailer partially and i was like you know what I do. I may not be a big anime guy, but I enjoy a fun anime movie that looks like it's stylish. And this one really sold me on that even throughout the movie. Just everything in there. There's there's like a great scene that's in the trailer of, you know, Gene getting a visual of just something he sees in the world cinematically. And I think any of us that are big, cinem, you know, I'll say cinephiles or just movie lovers have those moments where you just see something in the world. And you're like, I can see that being a scene in a movie. And like you picture that shot and you kind of love that. And it's kind of like that throughout this movie when it then gets, you know, into the more abstract stuff of, uh, as you were mentioning, Trevor, it's great. And yeah, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily a movie for like purely like the cinephile, like people who adore every bit of our movies, but it's definitely as Chad said, it's, it's a movie for people who love the idea of movie production, even just the idea of it. If you've always, if you ever considered it and you had like the dream of it, this realizes that in a very beautiful way in its own way. It's also kind of meta again with the 90 minute thing. And also with the references from Pompo of like, uh, when they read the script for the movie they're making, like even Gene's like, it's a really predictable classic story, but you tell it in a way that's just, I can visualize all of it and it's great. It's like, that's kind of what this movie does. It's it's certainly not perfect because it's a bit predictable. Um, but, you know, we, we saw the subbed version, uh, which as we discussed before, this recording is kind of the preferred way for anything for most of us to watch an anime um, I don't know how the dub version is. It could be really good. It, you know, some of them are, but I can just say it's like, yeah, I really enjoyed it for all of that. Uh, the characters are really fun. I do want to read the manga. I almost want to see if they want to do more with the characters in another movie because this was a really great time. Um, I'm going to give it eight and a half out of 10 to seal Trevor's reference. Sailor Moon transformations. Very nice. I like how educational this was. I like the hard truths it would randomly spit as facts, not as like existential think pieces, but someone will just randomly say, wow, you're miserable. You're probably a great PA. And they would go on to the next scene. I'd be, what, what was that? 
And while he's editing, he had total like whiplash. Well, at least it reminded me of a lot of the themes in Whiplash. Like, wow, that sounds amazing, but horrible, but beautiful. And one of my favorite things is how the story itself was kind of mimicking art that mimics reality. And everyone was coming together and seeing themselves in the movie. I've experienced that one time. My wife, he asked me, why do you like Ad Astra? That's one of your favorite movies of that year. With the with the chimp, with the monkeys, and the pirates to just just pat it all out, and I was like, oh well. And then I told her in a deep way about how it's not about my dad; it's about my dad's dad. And I went into this huge thing of why I thought it was so beautiful, and she actually almost cried and was like, "You're such a good son. I'm I really I'm really glad you told me why you liked that movie." And there's a whole sequence at the end of this that reminded me of that. Like, yeah, why anybody loves movies, not so much that they see themselves in them, but they see so much more of who they could be by watching these stories. And then the fact that they even got sleazy bankers to dream, just wonderful. I'm going to give this eight sculpted abs on a Hot lady who knows that boys don't like abs, but this is the way she likes to look. Wonderful. I will say that the one caveat with this movie is it's a very good visualization of what the production process is from start to finish with characters to help ground you in the process and get you to the end. What I will say is even though there's problems that arise because that will just happen on any set, like nothing is for certain weather is never going to hold for you. You know, somebody's going to get sick. People are going to, you know, forget to show up one day, like all kinds of things can happen. But in this movie, it was the best case scenario where the director was well loved and trusted. The actors weren't assholes. The crew trusted the director's vision Getting to that point, it's never that easy. You're you're going to always deal with egos, especially when you get to people above the line. I, I want to say like, yeah, if you want to if you want to go do this, this is the movie that'll teach you how to do it. It's like, yeah, it can. Uh, but it'll, it'll give you kind of like an unrealistic expectation of what it'll take to get to that point. I'm not trying to be a dick about it either. Like I, I encourage anybody to get into filmmaking. It's a, such a cool art form. And I know none of this has to do with the actual movie. I actually love the movie, but I guess my overall message at the end here is if you're interested in production, you know, start from the bottom, work your way up. I'm going to give this eight and a half editing slicing swords out of 10. I kind of want to get someone to make me that and just like put it on my wall. Dude, that was so cool. I, I do want to say the one thing I want to add to what you were saying, Chad, for getting ready to, you know, wanting to join the film industry and what this movie does. What you need to do is parallel this movie with a screening of One Cut of the Dead and see just how bad that pre-production is going into that movie. And that will kind of meet you in the middle for what film production is, the dream and what it usually ends up as in small productions. Howdy, podcast listeners. I'm Trevor T. Trujillo. And I'm Matt Foster. And together, we co-host the Nighthawks podcast, a movie-centric podcast that covers just about everything. 
big films? Citizen Kane, Casablanca, The Avengers, Star Wars. The films that aren't as big on budget, but we still love. Found footage 3D, The Big Lebowski. Not to mention films from distant shores. Lone Wolf and Cub, Dearest Sister. Plus we have some great guests like Alamo Drafthouse founder Tim Lee. Episode 7. Doctor Strange writer C. Robert Cargill. Episode 100. Director Stephen DiGennaro. Episode 53, episode 100. Or you can listen to any of the over 120 other episodes we have on deck for you. Instant classics. Find us on all good podcatchers. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, Spotify. Or at our website. Nighthawkspodcast.com. Join our cult. Probably not a real cult. It's a real cult. <laughs>